My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. I want to thank you for, for joining with us tonight for this, this time to be together. We're grateful that we have the opportunity to be together. I was thinking as, as we were singing and as Zach was talking about, you know, the second COVID Christmas. And last year for Christmas Eve, we had to record all of the worship for a Christmas Eve service out in the parking lot um, behind, behind the church here. And we, we did that. And I, I recorded my message from, from the, the stew or whatever it's called, the thing in front of your fireplace. Um, I don't know what it's called, the, the little area, but I know it has a name. I just don't know what the name is. Um, but that's where I recorded my sermon from. So it's nice to be able to, to be together. We had a wonderful time in our first service and, and a terrific time here, here at the second. If you'd like to follow along with us in the Word of God tonight, um, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. Um, that's the text that we're going to be at. Actually, this Christmas, if you've been with us so far, you've known, we noticed, maybe you noticed, we haven't d- spent a lot of time in Luke chapter 2, but tonight we're going to do that. And tonight what I want to do is I want to, I want to take a moment, uh, just a few moments here, to look at, at, at a certain point in, in the story that, that we all probably know fairly well, um, but it's a point that, that sort of our tradition and sometimes the way we read the Bible um, maybe has caused us to not see in the most correct way of looking at it. It's a moment of, of, of that, that we all probably can identify with, with at least the remembrance of the story in the story, but it, it's got some very deep and profound things that, that we can unpack and see and understand about us in the story of Christmas. Um, this moment that, that we want to look Look at tonight. It's found in Luke chapter two, verses six and seven. And so, what that says is, while they were there, so the they in that is Mary and Joseph. While Mary and Joseph were there, there is Bethlehem. So they've made their way from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. While they, while Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby. That's Jesus. So the time came for Jesus to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There was no room for Mary and Joseph, no place. Um, some versions that, that you may be familiar with or, or some different tellings of the story that, that you may be familiar with will say things like there was no lodging for them or, or the one that we probably all heard the most growing up as kids, there was no room for them in the inn. And this is a moment in the story where, where we can hear this and we try to contextualize this story and we think to ourselves, man, Joseph really dropped the ball. Joseph is traveling, traveling with Mary who, who is extremely pregnant, like nine months pregnant, like as pregnant as you can get because the baby's about to come. So, so there's not a lot of grace period on the end there. They knew where they were at and they traveled down to Bethlehem and, and Joseph with his very, very pregnant wife forgets to book a hotel room. We can read this through our context, through our lenses, as we try to make an, underst- an understanding of this and we think about what it would be like for us in our situation, like... Dad forgot to book a hotel room. 
And we think Joseph, he, he didn't book a, a hotel room. He didn't have enough points to get the room. He forgot to, to confirm on Airbnb. Joseph must have forgotten about it. What a dummy. He's not off to a great start in this whole being a dad thing. Now, now for some of us who are dads, this is, these are, this is something we can identify with. I know, I know for me, my being a dad didn't get always off to the greatest start. When, when our oldest son, Owen, was, was one week old, um, I took him to the zoo. Yvonne and I and, and Owen went, it was like our first family outing, we, we went to the zoo. And I'm not sure how it all works. I'm not even sure if at a week old you can see. Um, or if it's just kind of all blurry, but I showed him all the animals, and, and he, he was excited when he wasn't sleeping or crying, um, and so we had a wonderful time, and we got back into the car, and we loaded him up into the car, we drove home, um, and when we got home, we made a discovery that although Owen was in his car seat, and his car seat was buckled into the car, we had taken Owen out of his, his bucket seat, and carried him around at the zoo, and when our arms got tired, we put him back in, but we never buckled them back in. And so we discovered that with our one-week-old baby, we had gone to the zoo, and then we had driven all the way home from the zoo with our baby completely unbuckled in the backseat of the car. I can empathize with this idea of getting off to a bad start. But what we have to remember about in a story like this is that Middle Eastern context in a story like this is profoundly different than our, contact, our, our context today. To put this in context, um, if you know the story, if you know from Luke chapter 2, you know that, that there was a census called, and you know that actually it was the first census, well, Quirinius was the governor of Syria, because that's in there for some reason. But we know that there had been a census called, but unlike today where you would just go online and you'd fill out the questionnaire and you'd answer all the questions. And, and even today, if you don't do that, they send people to your door to remind you that you didn't. In order to, to, to participate in this legally mandated census, Mary and Joseph had to travel down to the, the city of the, their, their lineage, the city where their family came from. And so Mary and Joseph had to travel down right now to do this. It wasn't, it wasn't a holiday that they were on, and it wasn't just a census for them. They wouldn't have been traveling alone. They, they would have traveled with family, with friends, with loved ones, with aunts and uncles. See, all of Joseph's family would have come from Bethlehem. So Joseph's family would have been traveling there, but folks would have been traveling from all over in order to get to where they were going. And this is where sometimes the way that we've chosen to translate different words affects our understanding of a passage so greatly. Because some of the more traditional and widely recognized translations will, will use this phrase, and we talked about it, there's no room at the inn. And what we get is we get this picture of an innkeeper, a, a, a person managing a business, a hotel, and, and they show up and they, they go to check in at the counter and the person says to them, I'm sorry, I've got no rooms left. But I've got a barn if you'd like to sleep in my barn. But this moment, it's not about an innkeeper. And it's, it's not about this bad guy who, who sends off a pregnant woman and her husband callously and coldly. And, and instead, he offers them a place in his barn. That's, that's not actually what this story is about. It's actually much, much worse than that. What would have actually happened is that family members would have been the one who said no. Relatives would have been the one who said no. The word that's been translated, that we will translate, we will say in, in, in when we say there's no room for them in the end, the, the word is kataluma, 
And it refers more to a guest room or an upper room in a house than to, to like a hotel room or an inn. And this gives us more insight and in, in understanding into what's really happening here in this story. It wasn't a mean innkeeper. It wasn't an overworked, beleaguered innkeeper who, who just couldn't find space. His hotel was all booked up and there was this pregnant woman and her husband that showed up and he just couldn't find a room. So, so he did what he could and he offered him a barn. It wasn't that. It wasn't a hotel with a no vacancy sign. This is aunts and uncles and cousins and family members saying, hey, pregnant Mary, I'm not going to give up my bed for you. I'm not going to give up my space for you. And you can imagine Mary, this pregnant girl, and, and for Joseph, who, who's about to be a dad, how hard this must be and how much shame they must be experiencing in this moment because they're turning her away because she's pregnant. But you can imagine Mary trying to explain her situation to her family, to her friends, to Joseph's family, saying, no, you don't understand. I know this sounds outrageous, but, but a God showed up to me in a dream and told me that the Holy Spirit was going to make me pregnant. And, and so it's not that, that me and Joseph, it's not, we haven't done anything. It's God. But you can also hear, hear the family members saying, oh, right, Mary. Right, right. I forgot. I for it was God who knocked you up. Right, right. I forgot all about that. Right. You can just imagine Mary trying to do her best to explain what it is that's going on. And what we can understand from, from this story, and what we can understand from this moment, is that her family didn't believe her. Joseph's family, they didn't believe her. They, they, didn't, they didn't go, oh, wow, Mary, you are blessed. They didn't echo the sentiments of, of the angel. They said to, to Mary, get out of here. You're not welcome in our home. Not only are you having this child, but you come here and lie to us, and you blame God for it. Get out. You're not welcome here. Her family doesn't believe her. This story shows us that. And another layer to this story that can make it even more worse is that we can get this picture that Mary and Joseph, they just roll into Jerusalem and they go check in, try to check into the hotel and the innkeeper sends them away and then lo and behold, that night the baby comes. It's a pretty wild couple of hours for them. But when we read verse 6, what we actually get is a sense that, that they had been there for a while. It says, but while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And the language that, that's used there infers that it, it's, a, it's a process. It's been time that they've been there, and which, which makes sense, right? They traveled down for the census. So, so it's not like they just needed a place to spend the night, and then they could fill out the paperwork and, and head back home. If you don't know how long their journey was, it, from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, it's about 140 kilometers. Walking. Maybe Mary got to ride in a donkey. But she was also extraordinarily pregnant. So the walking on a donkey doesn't really make things better. So you don't do that. You don't travel 140 kilometers for days and days, walking, riding on a donkey, all of that, just to, to spend one night, get up and leave. Physically, you can't do that. 
They would have needed to stay there for a couple of days. If nothing else, if they can't even, even if they can't see family and maybe do some of the things they had planned on doing, just to get rested and recharged. Because they had another 140 kilometers to go. And so while they were in town, it gives us this language that, that there had been at least some time while they were there, living in a barn, still no family willing to take them in. It wasn't just that they showed up one night and no one would help. They were there for a while, and no one would help. And so while they were in town and looked to complete their census and tried to get ready to get back home, Mary looks at Joseph and, and says those words that if, if, you, if you have kids, you know and you probably remember well. Mary turns to Joseph and says, it's time. This moment of fear, adrenaline, confusion, and all of a sudden all of your plans and all of your schedules change because it's time. And now, just for a second, imagine you're Joseph. He's 140 kilometers from his home. He has no place to stay with his wife. They're, they're living in a barn. His family has abandoned him. Nothing is going right. Everything is not just wrong. It's the absolute worst version of wrong. And then the one thing I'm sure he was praying every moment of every day would not happen happens. The baby is born. And in verse 7, we read, we, read, we read that and we can read it. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, this is a story that plays out really well as a kid's production. Uh, maybe you've seen one at a church service or, or something like that. It's a really great story for a flannel graph. But, but the reality of what's happening here is very different than the story so many of us are familiar with. It's heartbreaking. It's difficult. It's painful. We can jump to the conclusion and joke and say, Joseph forgot to book a hotel room. But the truth is, they were unwelcome. It's not that there was no hotel room for, the, for them on that one night and things just went out of control and, and all of a sudden things took place. They were unwanted. There was no room for them with their family. Not now, not ever. This is a moment, I'm sure, of incredible pain and shame for Mary and Joseph. And for so many of us, this kind of moment where we can feel the shame and pain because of those around us is all too real. Maybe you look at your life and you think to yourself, I should be further along than this. I should be more accomplished. I am however old I am, and this is all I've done with my life. And, and the people around you, whether they say it or not, they make you, you feel ashamed. Or, or maybe you're not with somebody who your family approves of, and you think, 
to your and, and they think, and, and you know they're thinking he could do better. Or they know that they're thinking she, she could do a lot better than that. And, and you feel shame and you feel bad. Or, or maybe you voted in a way that, that raised some eyebrows. Or perhaps maybe even raised some voices. Maybe you have tattoos. Maybe you have piercings. Maybe you just have a sense in your family that you're just unwanted. Maybe you feel like you've got too much of a past. Maybe we look at our lives and we know why we're being, uh, why we're unwanted. We know why we're being excluded. And, and we look and we go, yeah, I did that. Yep, I know what I did. And that just adds to the guilt. And that just adds to the shame that we can have in these moments where it feels like the ones who should love us have pushed us away. These moments where we're at the bottom of the bottom and we turn around and there's just no one there for us. There's no one there to help us. There's no one there to reach out for or reach out to us. We can have these moments and we can think these thoughts and all of a sudden we're in this place that, that Mary and Joseph have found themselves and it becomes all too familiar to us and our story where, where we can see them. They're walking door to door, house to house, family member to family member and one by one, each being told, you're not welcome here. So much hurt, so much pain, so much shame. But it's into this moment that Jesus comes. And not just metaphorically, not just spiritually, not just into their heart, not just like the spirit of Jesus comes into their situation. Literally, it's into this moment that Jesus comes. It's into this moment, literally, the baby's born. It's, it's into this very specific moment where, where everything is at its apex, everything it's at its nadir, everything it's at its worst possible point. This is the moment Jesus literally comes into their lives and comes into the world. At what must have been just the worst lowest moment that Mary and Joseph could have ever imagined. Mary looks at Joseph and says, it's time. Oh no, the baby is coming. But even this moment, the moment of his birth, it gives us this incredible picture of who Jesus is for us. And the lowest possible moment, all, every negative emotion at rock bottom, this is the moment that Jesus arrives into their story. And this is the promise that Christmas can bring for us. That wherever you find yourself tonight, your shame, your guilt, your fear, your anxiety, your worry, your pain, your, your struggle, wherever you find yourself tonight, the promise of Christmas is that no matter how low you are, no matter how low you may find yourself, the promise of Christmas is that Jesus will show up right in the middle of all of it. There was no room for Mary and Joseph in the lives of those around them. 
But when there was no room for Mary and Joseph and and all that that meant for their lives as as they made their way to a stable, to a barn, to what in all likelihood probably looked more like a cave, it was in that moment that Jesus shows up. And for you tonight, maybe as you see yourself in the story of Mary and Joseph and as you see yourself sinking lower and lower into your life, Maybe if you're not at rock bottom, you you can at least see it from where you are. And you live in the fear of of what the next thing could be. What is the worst possible thing I can imagine? That at that moment, that's the moment the baby's going to show up. Whatever that looks like for you. The promise that is Christmas is that even in these moments, Jesus is coming. And the birth of Jesus means everything for us. See, see Jesus wasn't just born that he, so that he could have a life. Jesus wasn't even born so that you and I could have a life. But Jesus will say that he came to give us life and to give us life abundantly. And until we have Jesus come into our story and our lives, we won't know what it is to really have life. So the question for us tonight, the question for you, for me, for all of us this Christmas is, do you have room for Jesus? We saw that no one had room for Mary and Joseph in their lives. And the question for us tonight is, do you have room for Jesus in your life? Do you have room for Jesus to to change your life? And tonight we need to have a response that says, Jesus, I'm going to make room for you. I'm going to make room for you in my life. I'm going to make room for you to change my life, to transform my life. We need to have an open eye and an open heart to God to say that, that Jesus, there is room for you. At the moment when Joseph needed him the most, when he wanted him the least, Jesus shows up. And in our lives, whether it's the moment we need him the most or it's the moment we need him the least or we want him the least, when we're mad, when we're angry, when we're upset, Jesus will come into those moments and he will change everything. There's a verse in John chapter 16 that Mary and Joseph would be able to, John chapter 10, sorry, that Mary and Joseph would be able to identify with. Jesus will say to them, in this world, you will have trouble. And for Mary and Joseph, they were living in a world of trouble. Trouble they couldn't imagine. Everything was not just wrong, But it was the most unimaginable kind of wrong. Joseph is there with his pregnant wife. And they're living in a barn. This is not how Joseph wanted the birth of the Son of God to go. When the angel came to Joseph and said, you're going to, Mary's going to give birth and it's going to be, the baby's going to be God. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be the son of God. You should name him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. This isn't what he had in mind. 
When Mary was told by the angel, Mary, you're greatly favored are you. God's favor rests on you. And Mary will say, well, how can all this be? It's impossible. And, and the angel will say, nothing is impossible with God. Well, at this moment, apparently a hotel room was too much for God. Nothing is impossible for God. And yet Mary and Joseph have seen everything fall by the wayside. And Jesus will say, in this moment, you will have trouble. Or Jesus will say, in this life, you will have trouble. But then he says, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. Jesus will meet us, will meet you in your moments, in the times in your life, in your story, when you need him to overcome. He doesn't say, in this world, you will have trouble, but once you overcome it, come and find me and we can talk. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. His overcoming is the answer to our problem. Mary and Joseph had completely fallen apart. And the answer was not a baby. But friends, the answer was in the coming of the baby. So the question that we have for us in our lives and in our, our stories and in our, our situations as we face what we face, as you walk through what it is you're walking through, whatever it is that you're in the middle of, be it good or be it bad, the question for us tonight, for you tonight, as we walk through this next season of life, do you have room for Jesus? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this, this time together, this, this evening, this opportunity for us to reflect on what it means for you to come, for you to, to take on flesh, to dwell among us, to dwell as us. God, I thank you that we have this moment to reflect on what this means. And God, I thank you that as we look at the story of your coming and the story of Mary and Joseph and, and the story that you're telling in each one of our lives, God, I thank you that what the coming of Jesus means is that it means everything. And so God, I thank you that, that you give us the opportunity to invite us in. And God, I pray that in each one of our lives, whether it be because of good or because of the terrible, God, I pray that you would help us to not look at your invitation and say, oh, sorry, Jesus, I have no room for you. But God, I pray that for each one of us, as we, as we face what we face, as we walk through what we walk through, as we celebrate the things we celebrate, as we mourn the things we mourn, as, as we, we, we endeavor to endure the things we're enduring, God, may we make room for you in all of it. May we invite you in. May we invite you into our lives and into everything we face. God, I thank you that Christmas isn't the story of, of anything other than God coming to frail humanity to restore it. And God, I pray for each one of us frail humans. God, I thank you that you come to us, that you work in us, and that you can change us. God, help us to make room for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. HillsideAirdrie.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HillsideAirdrie. You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdry.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go.